Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 136, and we are recording on August 19th. I'm Jen Northington. I'm here with Sharifa Williams, and today we are talking about our most anticipated sequels and series for the rest of the year. Uh, we had enough. We had enough to split it into two shows. So we did our standalone most anticipated like a month ago, and now we're doing series, and I love it. Me too. I'm really excited to talk. I am actually like anticipating something in my mail today Ooh. from my most anticipated so i am very like freshly excited about this all over again nice <laughs> <laughs> i love that it's book mail day hooray yes. Um, I have a quick shout out, actually, to listener Rebecca, who emailed in to tell us that her favorite book of the summer is Lost in the Neverwoods by Aidan Thomas. It's always nice to hear when people love an author that we love, and Aidan Thomas is definitely on our list. Rebecca also sent in a cat picture. Thank you, Rebecca. Oh, <laughs> I love it. All the cat pictures, all the dog pictures. We will take yes. them. Yes. Send us your pet pictures. We love it. So I do have a quick announcement for y'all. We have decided it is time to do another book club. And instead of letting you vote, we actually have just gone ahead and picked because I am so hype about one of my most anticipated that I successfully petitioned Sharifa into agreeing to do it for book club. And that book will be August Kitco and the Mecca's from Space. It is a, you know, rompy sci-fi book, which I am all about these days. You'll hear me talk about more of that uh, in a bit. So we are going to be doing that episode in mid-September. So you have about a month to get a copy. It's out now. And uh, yeah, give it a read. Um, I will give a content warning that one of the characters has struggled with uh, suicidal ideation and continues to struggle with that. And the way that that interacts with knowing that the world might end is part one of the themes of this book. Um, but it is also very thoughtful about it. And it is, in addition, an action-packed space robot human, alien, etc. adventure. Uh, so again, that's August Kitko and the Mechas from Space by Alex White. All right. So yeah, we're going to talk about Most Anticipated. We have some news to get into. Uh, but first, let us hear from a sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, what do I want to talk about first? Let's talk about this Game of Thrones situation. Yes. Because this is, I, I like keep forgetting that this is happening. So the AV Club did a sort of, here's what you need to know about everything that's going on with Game of Thrones spinoff TV shows at HBO. And there are seven... Count them, seven <gasps> spinoffs still in the works. This is bananas. Uh, like, obviously, we've been hearing about the um, House of the Dragon, which is the one that is closest to happening, right? I think this is, I don't know if it's filming or it's coming soon. Like, you know. It premieres on August 21st. Oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, that's like two days from now. By the time this airs, it will be. Okay, yeah. So, yes. So, House of the Dragon is actually literally going to be in your eyeballs soon. And that one's about the Targaryens. And then there are six others that are happening that include... Uh, it's there's one that is like a thousand years previous to the events of um, Game of Thrones. There's a Jon Snow spinoff happening, which is news to me. I did not yeah. know that. And then there's the animated series, The Golden Empire, plus two more, apparently, which explores <laughs> regions of the world of Westeros that we have not yet gotten to see. Um, there's pirate stuff. There's knights. There's all kinds of things happening. I I don't even know if I'll watch House of the Dragon, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Sharifa, what, do you, uh, what are your feelings on this? I don't know. So the Targaryens, I know that they're... They're a big fan favorite for Game of Thrones fandom. They were never really my faves. I just, mm. like, I didn't really like Daenerys the way everybody <laughs> else did. <laughs> I didn't Fighting find... words. Fighting words. No, I, I feel know. you, though. I know. Mm. And so the, the history of House Targaryen doesn't really appeal to me. Um, and I was looking through the rest of these series and... You know, they're in various states of development, and yeah. I was trying to see if there was anything that spoke to me particularly. And I think, to be quite honest, the ones I'm most interested in are the animated series, even though we have so yes. little to no information about them. But I just want yeah. something different, I guess. I, I mm-hmm. need to remove myself from, like... Game of Thrones, the original series, and I think maybe the animated versions will be enough of a departure that Mm. I can enjoy them. Because I do like, I like the storytelling in Game of Thrones, the books, like A Song of Fire and Ice, but I I still am smarting (laughs) from from the Game of Thrones series and I just like it's really hard for me to find 
the motivation to watch any of these spinoffs that feel kind of like that show. Even if they're completely yeah. different storylines, it just like, I just need something very different. So. It makes sense Womp. to me. Yeah, I I was interested in the in the animated series as well. Also, the sea snake. I'm in pirates. I'm interested in pirates. Yeah. So you know <laughs> that one, and that one has a lead who's a person of color, which you know Game of Thrones needs more of. So yeah. Yeah. I those are the two that like jumped out to me. But yeah, will I watch any of them? Will any of them actually make it to? Our TVs, you know, aside from House of the Dragon, which obviously is happening. Who knows? You know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, one of the funniest to to talk about the sea snake a little bit. I was reading through this and there were oh, like yeah. some fun facts. And I love that for the sea snake. So Lord uh, Corliss Valerian, who is going to be in House of Dragon and whose character the sea snake is all about made sure to let everybody know that um, Steve Toussaint, the actor playing that character, is not going, he's not going to play Valerian in the Sea Snake. <laughs> and specifically, he said the role would be played by some, some younger, prettier guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love that, too. <laughs> it's hilarious. He sounds like yeah, a Yeah, I guess it's it's that's character's backstory, so yeah, that, it makes sense. But yeah, the younger, prettier is a good addition there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then kind of related, uh, George R. R. Martin gave an interview to Vanity Fair recently, and we have a post on Book Riot um, summing up some of what they talked about. Um, he has given up predicting when the end, you know, when he will be done with Song of Ice and Fire and people are still really mad about it. Um, apparently people are speculating on when he will die, which is oh. gross. That's gross. Don't do that, people. Don't do, Don't do that. So, yeah, I, like, feel for him. I mean, this has just got to be the most pressure ever. Also, yeah. it's, you know, it's a little bit of a champagne problem, let's acknowledge, but <laughs> um, but it is a problem. And uh, yeah, the longer it goes on, I imagine the worse the pressure is. So it's a, it's, a, it's a whole situation over there. Yeah, this does feel like one of those really drawn out, really angry making moments from like, you can still post something or talk about uh, you know, the end of the series and people will still be mad. Yeah. Like it's a new thing, but we've been waiting for such a long time. I'm almost oh, sort yeah. of like, oh, wells, like, <laughs> right. right. And it definitely shouldn't get to the point where people are like angrily predicting that he might die from COVID and they right. won't get the end of this series. I'm like, that's human life. Um, right. And it, if I was George R. R. Martin, honestly, though, I would just stop stop writing about it at all. Like, he's still sort oh, of 100%. updating his blog and his live... I think it's his live journal or something. Yeah, it's his live journal. And I'd just be like, I just step away and, yeah. like, surprise people when it... Right. <laughs> when you come out right. with it. I agree. I agree. You know, it's it's just not it's not productive. It doesn't seem like 
It doesn't. It doesn't. But, you know, that's that's the power of people really wanting a story. It is one of those yes. situations where it's like, it's great. People love this story. They are really committed to it, but also it has its drawbacks. And what can mm-hmm. you do? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to talk about another series with a gigantic fandom because we've been getting a lot more news about the Hunger Games prequel, which is uh, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And one of the big casting news pieces from that recently that was very exciting is that Viola Davis was cast as the head game maker in the prequel. And this was reported on over at Essence by Akla Jones. And Viola Davis is going to be a villainous character. Um, The person who is ruling these games and who has a very cruel and fearsome presence in this particular prequel. And first of all, I just, I will take Viola Davis in anything like mm. truly a powerful actor i can um, absolutely imagine myself being terrified of her as a villain <laughs> because she is just like she has that really commanding presence that makes you feel like you have to sit up and listen um and so i was really excited to see this news and it came alongside some other news about casting and also what to expect from this prequel series um or prequel sorry so apparently uh in this story reported over at where is it i think it was the Hollywood Hollywood Reporter. Reporter. Yes. They were talking about how this is going to be a kind of departure from the original series. So in terms of like aesthetic, this is reported on by Abby White, by the way, Um, in terms of the aesthetic and the type of storytelling, they are definitely trying to deviate from the original series of films so it'll be something different i'm still like low-key irritable about (laughs) a movie that's like oh the villainous character from the original they get their origin story and we get to like you know i don't know i i love villains but uh, i like you know I am definitely all about the non-white male villains. Like, to be <laughs> perfectly blunt, like, I, I don't, that personally, for me, I'm just looking for something different. I am, of course, not, like, a super fan of this franchise, so I totally don't blame anybody for disregarding my opinion and my annoyance about this because <laughs> it means like very little to me anyway. But I don't know. I it sounds like they're trying to do something interesting with this prequel. So on that note, that sounds really exciting. I like, you know, I saw the original, I saw the first film, I believe, only, and I enjoyed Mm. that, but wasn't, like, stuck to it. 
but the casting sounds really interesting. Like in addition yeah. to Viola Davis, we've got two char- two actors from West Side Story. Actually, uh, mm. there's Rachel Ziegler. I just watched the West Side Story very recently, so it's fresh in my mind. Rachel Ziegler and Josh Andre Rivera are both in it, and they were both in West Side Story, which I found interesting. Jason Schwartzman's in it. Um, yes. So I'm going to have Phantom Planet songs in my head all day now. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that that would be exciting news for Hunger Games fans. Yeah, I'm torn about it, you know, because I remember when the announcement about the prequel book came out, I was like, yeah, I don't need President Snow's backstory personally. Like, I just don't need that. Um, Yeah. But, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Viola Davis is pretty awesome. And if it is, in fact, more about, like, how Pan Am got to where it was in Katniss's time than specifically about, like, the wubification of President Snow. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that's a term that, that I've makes seen sense. around online. It's like, let's take this villain and like make you have like wubby feelings about them. Like, I'm I'm a little borderline on that. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I think it could. I'm more compelled, honestly, with this news to to actually to watch the movie. I don't know if I'll pick up the book. To be perfectly honest, I've seen all of the um, the original movies, and uh, actually, was it Catching Fire became my like catharsis movie. For oh, I like, do know, know how you sometimes have movies where you just like. I have a lot of feelings and I don't know how to get them out of my body. So I'm going to watch this movie oh. <laughs> and that's going to help me like get these. And, and I have a, I have a whole bunch of them. Um, and, and catching fire, I think was, was one for a little while. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is, is my <laughs> verdict. I, I'm not, I'm certainly not going to go to the theater for it. I probably yeah. would watch it on streaming. Let's put it that way. I would watch it on streaming. That's how I feel about it. You know what? I probably will too because my partner <laughs> loves the movie. So oh, <laughs> I'm going to be watching there it anyway. Go. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's see. Oh, let's do a quick awards roundup. I promise yeah. we won't like get too bogged down in this, but I love awards season. And three different awards have had announcements in the last couple weeks. Uh, the Aurora Awards have announced. Their winners, um, File 770 has been tracking all of this. So all of these are going to link to there. The Aurora Awards are out of uh, Canada. They're um, awarded by the Canadian Science Fiction and Fantasy Association. And Jade Legacy by Fonda Lee won for Best Novel, which... Yay for Fonda Lee, Always and Forever. Um, the young adult novel I had not ever heard of, Walking Into Worlds by Wab yeah. Kinu, which apparently came from Penguin Teen, so I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, Premi Muhammad, who I love, won for Novelette and Novella, and that's one I haven't read yet. There's, you know, a lot of new names to me on this list, and then some fin- familiar ones. So if you are looking, as always, to sort of broaden your... Horizons for uh, sci-fi and fantasy outside of the ones you're hearing about here in the U.S. Um, These awards are always a good place to start. So that's the Aurora Awards. 
The Sir Julius Vogel Awards, which is a name of an awards I always enjoy saying, mostly because I don't know anything about Sir Julius Vogel. <laughs> it's just fun to say the name. It is. Uh, these, these come from New Zealand, and these are for excellence in science fiction, fantasy, and horror. And um, I didn't know basically any of the names on on this list mm-hmm. so i have some i have some catching up to do with our friends across the oceans i will say one i read a sir julius vogel award winner a previous award winner earlier this year you're going to hear me talk about it on this podcast at some point i'm obsessed with that book so Ooh. this is a list that i am going to be paying attention to more in the future and you can check those out with the link in the show notes and then if you're looking to read more small presses in science fiction fantasy which i super encourage there's some amazing work coming out of small presses uh there's apparently a washington dc science fiction association that gives a small press award for short fiction and there's some names i know and some i don't on this list so you know just a cornucopia of um of books to, uh, you know, find out about, dive into, put some new stuff on your list. Yeah, these are great lists. I'm glad you you highlighted these. And I actually, I was like, why does Walking in Two Worlds from the Canadian mm. list sound familiar? And it is like I had purchased it on Libro. <laughs> I really? have so many books just sitting in there unread. But it actually sounds really good. It's about an indigenous teen girl and it's a YA fantasy debut. So now wow. I definitely I love all I have of those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm really I'm always interested in reading more from authors who maybe don't get, you know, either the marketing dollars mm-hmm. behind their titles or are you know publishing in places outside of the u.s so we don't hear about them as often mm-hmm. so i will definitely also be checking out all of these lists and adding to my tbr and speaking of adding to your tbr <laughs> i get it myself i wanted to give a quick <laughs> shout out to a really great list that came out from um, our site bookriot.com and this was written by caitlin hobbs who pulled together a list of the 20 best science fiction books of all time and i know those are big words But these are Mm. some really, really great titles. So if you are looking for some books that are just like vetted and amazing and they have just either withstood the test of time as science fiction or they are contemporary classics, like you know that they are going to stick around and people are going to be reading them for a long time. This is a great list. And as usual, you know, this is a list that includes a diverse array of authors and types of science fiction. So I know that sometimes we look at our shelves or our, you know, audiobooks lists that have gone unread and we're like, what else can we read? Uh, So if you need something, a quick reference list for your science fiction reading, you can definitely check it out. We'll have a link in the show notes. 
Nice. Yeah, I always am like, are those the 20 that I would have picked? But it's an interesting list. It is an interesting list. Yeah. There's some really good books on there. So I I will allow it. <laughs> Not that anybody <laughs> needs my permission, but you Everyone know. will have their, every science That's fiction right. reader will have their opinions. I did too. Uh, but yeah. I was happy to see Octavia Butler, who's a favorite, and Iron Widow, which is really recent, but I mm-hmm. can't stop talking about that book and there are just some other ones of course nk jemison has to be on any list like this Mm -hmm. okay i will stop talking about (laughs) (laughs) all right let's see oh let's do another sponsor then let's talk about our series is yes another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to kick us off. And I think I'm going to start with a fantasy series that I have had. I have had the first book of this series on my shelf. So a couple of these are series I haven't started yet. But as usual, whenever we talk about most anticipated series, I am usually coming in with the I have a series slump conversation. (laughs) Uh, And I have been having, like, I have series I've started that I'm continuing, but starting a new series for me has been really Mm. hard lately. But I did want to highlight some books that I feel like maybe will take me out of that series slump. And this uh, second, the second book in the Atlas series by Olivia Blake is out October 25th. And this series has actually been on my mental curiosity shelf since the first book, which was the Atlas Six, came out to quite a lot of buzz. Um, And the reason, actually, for my curiosity is that uh, the Atlas Six was one of the first books I came across that was kind of touted as a TikTok sensation. And... Mm. It's wild because now a mere, I don't know, year later, I see plenty of books that are being promoted as popular on TikTok or viral TikTok sensation. You know, I feel like all of us have seen those words around some books lately. Um, So I don't say that to throw shade or anything. I say that because I'm really curious about what makes a book TikTok famous and- The Atlas series is a dark academia series that should honestly be my first clue. (laughs) I know. I know that the kids are hungry for dark academia. And the series itself centers around the Alexandrian society. And that's an elite secret society of magical academicians. I predicted myself saying that completely wrong, but academicians, I think I got that right. And these are the six magicians, or rather the five magicians talented enough to make the cut for uh, the current decade's society. And so there are six magicians that are selected who make up the character in characters in the series, 
and they include a couple of cosmologists. There's a naturalist, a seductress, uh, a seer, and a rich boy whose powers might be catastrophic. And then before they can become a fully-fledged society, they have to withstand and survive one year together and be judged on their intellectual arcane contributions. So it's very like, it is academia, peak academia. And so it's one of those stories where, you know, you have to fight your other cohort to make it past the this trial and to actually be inducted into this society. And so one of the characters is likely not going to survive. And I I just love a dark read. I think that those for for whatever reason like that's a lot of what I've been reading lately is like it either has to be something that verges on horror or has a dark element or has some morally gray characters and this seems like a series that has a bit of all of those things and I I guess I'm just looking forward to picking up finally the first book in the series which is actually on my physical shelf and to learn <laughs> what made the series go viral in the first place. So this is a planned trilogy from Olive e. Blake and again that was The Atlas Paradox which is out October 25th and that's the f- and the first book actually is The Atlas 6 which is of course out now. Dark like your soul, right? Yep. That's, uh, that's how it goes. No, it's interesting, actually. I'm having a sort of opposite experience with science fiction that I'll talk about when I get to those picks. Mm. But uh, let's. I'll start with my fantasy picks. No one will be surprised to hear that it is the first of my fantasy picks is The World We Make by N.K. Jemisin, which is out on yeah. November 1st. And this is, I had forgotten that this was a planned two book only series. So this is the oh. second and final book in the Great Cities duology. And uh, obviously, you know, we talked a lot about um, the first book in this in this uh, duology, which I'm suddenly completely blanking on the name of. Oh my gosh, what is happening to me? Um, but anyway, <laughs> oh, uh, the city we became. That's what okay. It was. I was about became. to try to find so, it because I couldn't. Believe I found I it. I found it. It's the city we became. So yeah, it's and you know I think I described it when it when we talked about it when it came out as like N.K. Jemisin does like the Avengers sort of like this is yeah and and with all of that that will entail so like cultural criticism and like a very honest look at racial politics and systemic racism in the United States Um, it's specifically that first book takes place entirely in New York City uh, where each of the um, boroughs gets sort of an avatar and then those avatars are supposed to unite to birth the soul of the city but something has gone wrong there's like a horrible nemesis trying to stop it from happening and all of these people who are like what is happening to me like literally what is happening to me I have no idea what's going on uh, have to figure out you know what 
these new powers that they suddenly have do? How do they work with each other when they don't know each other? They don't necessarily like each other. And, you know, they're all being targeted by this nemesis enemy, very creepy, Lovecraftian presence. So I'm super excited for the second book because the first book does end on a cliffhanger, a great big fat cliffhanger. And I'm just like, where are we going next? Tell me, N.K. Jemison, where are we going next? So <laughs> I'm excited that it's a two-book series because it is, I mean, I think we all struggle to keep up with yeah. series. Even as I love a long series, it is not easy to keep up with. And um, yeah, I can't, I like cannot wait to see what happens next. So we've also, I will say this is going to be, I'm going to have to time this right because we're going into a very nerve-wracking election local election season here in Pennsylvania and this book is about a mayoral candidate who is backed by evil and I just it's gonna hit really close to home is what I'm saying here so I'm gonna have to be thoughtful about when I pick this up um it will either be cathartic or too much depending so I have to have to be thoughtful about it but I'm really excited the cover is stunning Side note, beautiful, like black and white with some fun graffiti pops of color. And yeah, I just, you know, always excited for a new N.K. Jemison. So that's The World We Make, second book in the Great Cities duology um, out November 1st. I love a duology as well. And I also feel for you and (laughs) the politics of the day. Yeah. Uh, well, I feel like my next pick is kind of like a joint pick because you, Jen, are the one who has talked up this series or the first book in the yes. series so much. And it makes me so excited to get into it. It's Tasha Suri's The Burning Kingdoms series. And it has a new book out now. The Oleander Sword is the second book in the series, which began with The Jasmine Throne. And this is set in a world inspired by the history and epics of India. And, you know, as I said, Jen has talked it up before. In fact, the Jasmine Throne was one of, we talked about this in a previous episode, it was one of the most recommended titles on this show. Yes. So, yeah, you know it must be good. And and this series has a lot of fans. Uh, So it sets off with... A captive princess, Malini, and then there's Priya, who's a maid service who maid servant who wields this forbidden magic. And the pair become allies. They're up against a powerful force in Malini's brother, who's this villainous dictator of their empire. And the pair have, you know, their unique struggles. And Malini's brother has, for instance, imprisoned her. Not a great situation to be in. Uh, leaving her, leaving her to live in isolation in this ancient temple ruin known as the Hirana, and Priya is one of few servants who visits the Hirana to clean Malini's chamber, and Priya is hiding these powers and is living in fear that she'll be found out. But someone does find out, and it's Malini. And then, with their powers combined, they hope to take down Malini's brother and help. Priya find her family. Uh, So the Oleander Sword continues their stories, and it sounds like it promises to serve more epic sapphic fantasy, which I cannot wait to get into. It sounds like this is actually a pretty 
long read. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that the pacing is so good that you don't even notice that it is a very long read. The first book in the series, at least. Yeah. Um, and so I always come to some of these books with a sense of like overwhelm and intimidation when they're like longer. But I have had the experience of confronting some of those books and just if the pacing is right, if it just like pushes you through the story with lots of interesting characters, great world building and the like, I get over that real quick. And <laughs> the promise of being able to read like epic fantasy, which is usually like, you know, I'm so familiar with the doorstopper epic fantasies that I used to mm. just completely absorb in high school when I felt like I had all the reading time in the world. Uh, but I would love to be able to get into a really big epic world again and to be introduced to some really amazing characters. And it really does sound like this is the series for that. That'll perhaps get me out of that series slump and get me back into some epic fantasy again. So I'm really looking forward to these books. And again, that's The Oleander Sword by Tasha Suri. And it's actually on shelves as of the week we are recording. So you'll have it by the time you hear this. Yeah, I. it's so interesting. If you had asked me, was the first book long? I would have been like, no, like, I don't remember <laughs> that it was long. Yeah, uh, because it absolutely does sort of suck you in and sweep you along. There's a lot you've get you got two different narrators, too. So you get to switch mm. POVs, which I think also really helps a lot of times move, keep you engaged. And I will also say that particularly for Sharifa, but for anybody else who's listening where this is their wheelhouse, these characters are so more gray FYI <laughs> like soups morally gray which is so great like it's great yeah it's, it's really it, because that just also helps with the engagement factor because you're like oh god like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> And then you, like, have a lot of feelings about what their choices are and why those are their choices and what's going to happen because of those choices. So it's it's definitely um, compelling to the nth degree. Yeah, I'm super excited for this one. It's on my TBR. I cannot wait to find out what is going to happen next uh. for those two. They're so, ugh, such good characters. And there's a lot of great supporting characters, too, who I just want to scream at, honestly. I have, like, very <laughs> strong feelings. I have very strong feelings feelings about those characters so. i will prepare myself to tear out my hair as i read this yes. book <laughs> do do yeah be be like have a stress ball nearby or something to like squeeze your feelings into um <laughs> in in non-stressful fantasy <laughs> reads uh i you know y'all know that I am just obsessed with the Singing Hills Cycle by Nevo. I've talked about them a bajillion Ugh. times. I will continue talking about them. And there is a new one. And it's book number three in this novella series. What I love about this series is that these really all do function as standalones. Like, they all have, you know, my favorite non-binary wandering cleric, Chi, yes. as the narrator. But, like... You, she is like out there having adventures because what their job is to do is to find stories and record them. And so like each novella is a separate story in this world that they're wandering around in. And there's not really necessarily 
any connective tissue other than that the same person is telling you the story. So you can pick these up in any order you want. You know, it's they're really, really lovely. And what I what one of the things that they feature is really thoughtful investigation about who's telling a story and mm-hmm. what version of the story we get, which I think is, you know, something that is I love to see explored and I wish more, you know, uh, fantasy and science fiction would explore that question. And this new one includes, apparently, um, I'm, I haven't read it yet. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. There's like mysterious, potentially immortal martial artists in a region, which like I'm always like, what martial artists? Tell me more. <laughs> and, and there's a feud and we get to be in a new section of this world. And of course, there's uh, Chi's bird companion who's named Almost Brilliant, which just cracks me up Love every it. time. So. Oh, I just yeah. And 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 I do find that these are not stressful to read. They have, you know, certainly they have weight to them. They're not I wouldn't call them fluff. There's nothing wrong with fluff, but these are not fluff. But they are sort of I don't know, healing somehow. Like maybe it's because she is so thoughtful and so insightful and so amiable like getting that person telling you these weighty stories perhaps helps to make it feel um not too stressful but I just I find them such a refuge and such an enjoyable place to spend time um I think a good comp is Becky Chambers actually Mm -hmm. so if that's the kind of reading experience you want to have highly highly recommend The Singing Hill Cycle and the new one is Into the Riverlands and that is out October 25th I agree there is something very comforting about this series and I think like there's a part of it this might not translate, but there's a part of the the way the stories are told that feel very much like, you know, a sort of fable or fairy tale yeah. in a way that is, like, comforting. Um, yes. I love it. I'm so glad you picked this series, and I am also excited to read the next book. And I am very excited to read <laughs> the next book in the series I am about to talk about. And this is the one, actually, that I'm waiting for in my mailbox. It's Nona the Ninth. And this is the third book in Tamsin Muir's Locked Tomb series, which began with Gideon the Ninth, a book that totally blew my mind. And then there was Harrow the Ninth, which further scattered the pieces of my mind. (laughs) Just an amazing, wild series. So the Locked Tomb series is a science fantasy where there are houses set on various planets and then each house has its rulers and each house has also pledged loyalty to the emperor and in the first two books we got perspectives from Gideon uh, who is the ruefully sword sworn uh person to the daughter of the ninth house rulers uh harrowhark nonagesimus and the two young members of the ninth house spent a lot of their lives battling each other against this sort of horror backdrop of this crypt-like house of necromancy and 
Gideon basically uses brute force and stubborn will, and then Harrow uses her dark powers and cunning. And even though they can't seem to stand each other, they have to come together in the first book in the series uh, as much as is possible when you're dealing with nemeses to defeat the other houses in this trial that's set by the emperor to become the immortal servant of the resurrection. And in the second book, Harrow the Ninth, the story continues from Harrow Hark's perspective, and it is as bonkers, dark, and funny as the first book. And then we get to this hotly anticipated third book in the series, Nona the Ninth, I have heard so much, like, I guess I've read so much screaming about this next <laughs> book online <laughs> because people just wanted it immediately. This is one of those rare situations where we knew this book was coming when we were reading Harrow the Ninth um, because it seems like Tamsimir just has it all planned out. It's such a, it feels mm. so rare. Um, so... I heard a lot of screaming and a lot of excitement for this book, so I know there are a lot of people who are like, cannot wait to get this in their hot little hands. And I really have no idea what to expect. I have not been trying <laughs> to go look up people who have already read it or anything like that. And, you know, the hints are very vague, which I'm I'm happy for. And also, each story is just so unique and presents so many surprises I, I just can't guess at what I'm going to find on the pages, except, of course, you know, fun times and scrambled brains and gallows humor and apparently zombies. There are zombies in this one. That's what I know. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm beyond excited to find out what's going to be in this book. So that was Nona the Ninth, which is the third book in the Locked Tomb series by Tamsin Muir, and that's out September 13th. I have read it. It is... <gasps> Amazing. I need you to text me when you start reading. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I will just say that this series is super interesting. So the first book, you know, as Sharif was saying, is narrated by Gideon, who is like very sarcastic, mm -hmm. sort of not an intellectual, like not really here to talk about feelings, you know, really just here to bash things with her sword. Right. Yes. Like that's Gideon. <laughs> And then the second book is really a very deeply about recovery from trauma. Mm -hmm. And and it's narrated by Harrow, who has a much darker perspective for very good reasons, um, but has a much darker perspective on things than Gideon. And I want and the tones are very different. I think the tones of those two books are oh, very yeah. different. And so I want to say the one thing I will tell you all about Nona the Ninth is that it is closer in tone to Gideon than to Harrow, mm -hmm. but also it is deeply its own book and it is a wild ride. It is wild. It's wild. Uh, I'm trying not to jump up and down on my seat because I don't want to <laughs> make noise on the podcast, yeah. but I am just like vibrating with excitement. <laughs> <laughs> May it arrive in your hands soon. <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, speaking of wild rides, my first science fiction pick. Oh, right. I was going to say. So the, it's an interesting experience I've been having with science fiction this year. I have found 
that while some of my other reads are on the darker side, fantasy, literary fiction, whatever, um, my science fiction, apparently I just want hijinks. Like, apparently I just want hijinks. Like, yes. I, when I was looking at what I have read and what is on my TBR, like, they're all, like, kind of rompy adventures. And this next book is no exception. It is Fault Tolerance by Valerie Valdez, which is out now. You can get it now. It is the third book in the Chilling Effect series. Again, another author we've talked about a lot. Um, I have actually read this one already in the time between when I picked it for the show and then when we recorded. I like it just happened. I read it. (laughs) I couldn't wait. So I am happy to report that this series is absolutely rompy to the nth degree. It has tons of action. It also has a lot of feelings in it in the best possible way. Um, we're following Captain Ava Innocent, uh, Innocente, excuse me, and the crew of La Serena Negra. And they have been sucked into this like intergalactic, like shady government organizations, space mafia. People are like getting, you know, like have to have a fake heart because they got, you know, shot in the chest and like resurrected. There's romance, there's gun battles, there's psychic cats. Like there's just, this series has everything. Like truly the kitchen sink is in this series. And Eva is so foul mouthed. She's so pragmatic and she's so frustrated by the fact that everybody keeps wanting her to be a hero when she feels like the farthest thing, but so extremely relatable on many, levels and yeah this is like as cat filled as the others <laughs> if not even more they have to like try to save the universe there's aliens there's robots there's just everything and there's everything the series has everything in it and it is such a joyfully inclusive series we have so many characters who come from different backgrounds different walks of life have different stories and It is just so lovingly accepting of them in all of their nuanced complexity, and uh, it never loses that joy, even when things do get a little bit dark, which is, I think, again, what I am looking for these days, apparently, in my science fiction. So I just, you know, this series, I think, is a great summer series. Like, if you... Mm are going on vacation, you're headed to the beach, or you just want to take a vacation in your brain, uh, highly recommend. So again, that's Fault Tolerance, which is the third book in the Chilling Effect series by Valerie Valdez, and it is out now. The need for hijinks reads resonates with me. I feel that, and that is a perfect series for that feeling. So that was a great pick. I sound like a broken record now, but, you know. (laughs) And my final pick is the second book in a series I love to the core of my heart because it is a very heartwarming, uplifting sci-fi series. Um, And I, in, in addition to also wanting hijinks, I have been trying to go toward more optimistic reads that make me feel good about humanity in the world Uh, Mm. and this is definitely one of those series so the monk and robot novella series 
has A Prayer for the Crown Shy by Becky Chambers out. Um, So it's out now. It's available to read. Very exciting. And Chambers introduced us to this series with the first book, A Prayer for the Crown Shy, which I have talked about, I think, a couple of times at least now. And that's where we meet sibling Dex, who is a tea monk with truly excellent listening skills, and Moss Cap, who is an enthusiastic, uh, let's say, student of the natural world, who also happens to be a robot. Uh, and Dex is on this personal quest, uh, living on Penga, which is the small moon that is their world. It's sort of a utopia. So you don't really, like, I, I know that when I hear about sort of utopian sci-fi, Initially, before I had read anything of the sort, I was like, well, what sorts of challenges would a person, right. a character face in a utopian world? And this is a great example. So in this world, people live in harmony with nature. Life seems simple and straightforward. But, you know, humans will human and we will always have our struggles and our problems and challenges. And the thing about Dex is that they're really good at their job as a tea monk, peddling their tea wagon from place to place and giving people the space, time, and the herbal brews that they need to voice and process their struggles. Uh, But Dex has this itch also that they can't scratch and the certainty that they need to find their true purpose in the world. So they leave their routine behind. They set out into the uncharted wilderness to find that purpose. And that's how they find Boss Cap the robot. And the two are just really a fun pair right off the bat. You know, you have Dex's unflappable determination, hinging on desperation to accomplish what they set out to do. And then there's Moss Cap's sort of easygoing, lighthearted nature, and this unabashed curiosity, which for mostly solitary decks is kind of disconcerting at first. And as it turns out, they need each other. So Mosscap ends up joining Dex on this quest with its own very transparent motivations, and A Prayer for the Crown Shy continues this journey and the story of their friendship, and I cannot wait to be wrapped up in its warm hug again. Uh, These are one-sitting reads, which I love always and forever. They are perfect for any time. Like, this is one of those books, like, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. I would just recommend you read it whenever you want. And also reread it when you just need some feel-good storytelling with a great message. Uh, So again, that's A Prayer for the Crown Shy, which is the second book in the Monk and Robot series by Becky Chambers, out now. If I could go to the world of that series and be a tea monk, like, I would be very happy with yep. my life. <laughs> like, Same. That's all, like, when I think about, like, my 20-year plan, I'm like, can I be a tea monk in that world? Like, that would be ideal. Please and thank you. That would, <laughs> that's what I would like most to do with my life. So. I co-sign that. I'm if anybody there. can make that happen, call me. Um, <laughs> so my final pick, I always, so it's interesting, you know, when we do these most anticipated, obviously there are authors that we love, that we love talking about, that we're excited for their new books, but we do also try to pick new to us uh, people and books yes. to talk about. And it's much harder with series, right? Because like, 
obviously we're already invested in some of these series, so those mm-hmm. are the ones that we want to pick. But I did, I did pick one that is completely new to me, so it's a little bit of a cheat because it's actually the first in a new series. But I was like, who cares? I I'll really want to read this book, right? It's fine. It's a series, and uh, it is the Immortality Thief by Taryn Hunt, which appears to be another adventure <gasps> dive into space opera, which yes. I always want. I want it always and forever. <laughs> and this is about a linguist who is also a criminal who's in prison uh, and a refugee. Um, his name is Sean. And he is uh, offered a, like a chance to get out of prison and do this salvage job. Uh, there is a ship that was abandoned like a thousand years ago. It's nameless. It was hidden. It's like an adventure. Like it's like a, you know, sort of Tomb Raider in space situation. So the government has found the ship, but it's filled with traps and monsters. Again, very, it sounds very Tomb Raider to me, except in space, <laughs> which I'm here for. Um, and there is a long dead language on the ship that for whatever, you know, shady reasons they want recovered and because Sean is a linguist they are like go to this very dangerous place on this very dangerous mission and if you do we'll let you out of jail so Sean obviously is like okay um there's somehow the philosopher's stone like uh, the the thing that alchemists were trying to find to make themselves immortal is involved um there are aliens there is uh like humanity's last free government which is apparently called the republic are interested in this as well so it's basically a race to get the prize again in space i'm here for all of this i'm very curious <laughs> what this is going to be like and i'm excited to find out so this is um Coming out on October 11th, and again, it is The Immortality Thief by Taryn Hunt. Sounds like a great adventurous romp. Yeah. And that is our show. We got like into this. Uh, So much fun always to talk about these books and the news with y'all. So thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for sending us your cat pictures and your favorite books. Super, super duper love that. Um, Thanks to our sound editor, Caitlin Brame, who helps us to sound great each and every episode. If you would like more recommendations, more sci-fi fantasy, more whatever, you can get those at bookriot.com you can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen uh, reminder as always to email us yeah at bookriot.com or or review us on apple podcasts and spotify we also love that helps other folks to find the show um and yeah in between shows sharifa where can the people find you they can find me on instagram at Williams. that's s-c-a-i-n-a-b williams and you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.